Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goal. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Jackie, I was lifting in the gym yesterday and I mean, I got some like awesome bar rash, but you know how I hit a PR or personal record yesterday? Um, I, I don't know. Did, did you have like extra coffee or something or pre-workout? Nope. Not, not a new supplement. No. Did you like engage your calf muscles? I mean, they're always engaged. <laughs> is this F- true? F- yes. <laughs> no, it, the secret is in the doo-doo. Which is in what the, we're talking about today. In the doo-doo. In the doo-doo. Oh. <laughs> That's I, right. That is, I, I'm, I'm going to need you to explain what that means. I'm excited. I mean, if I could be a, a fecal transplant donor, I feel like I could Ooh. retire for life. And we wouldn't wow. need, you know, monetary geniuses like yourself. Did, did, you, did you say fecal donor? Yeah, yeah. That's fecal right. donor, as in someone produces yep a hard fart and then donates that to us another person which yep. means there's a donee as in yep. someone is receiving yep you know that's a south park episode <laughs> is it that's no a way. south park episode yes tell me a little bit more about that kyle's mom i think it was like got really really sick and like like had this like got really sick with like bad diarrhea in front of like a bunch of people and then, like, I don't remember that well because I was, like, falling asleep because that's what I do. I fall asleep watching TV all the time. Um, <laughs> and uh, she got, like, a, a fecal transplant. And, like, she was, like, youthful and virile. And everyone was, like, oh, my God, what's your secret? And then she was, like, oh. And, like, it was, it, I mean, I must have saw this maybe within the last three months. I fell asleep to this episode because I can't say I watched the episode because I, I fell asleep to it. And, you know, it, it's a hilarious show, but for all of you listening out there, there is so much truth behind the power of the stool. Having done it, having read a lot of articles in preparation for, you know, my doctoral duties and for today, your stool may be the secret behind weight loss or why you're not seeing those weight loss gains that you're expecting. And so today we're going to be talking about the microbiome and your weight. As always, I'm Doc Mock. I'm a gastroenterologist, functional medicine doctor, practicing in the Midwest. And joining me as always is Jackie P. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Jackie P. And, I, and I'm speechless. That's what I am right now. <laughs> I, 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 everyone, yes, I'm Jackie P. I'm a layman. I'm going to make sure Doc Mock keeps it layman. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of poop talk, which is, I guess, is as layman as you can be. Uh, I mean, that's oh, GI. That's, that's, that's what we I do. guess that, that's true. That is a, that is that world. I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. 
In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528, and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. So who, okay, let's back up. Let's back up. I, I, I'm, I'm going to use my maximal being experience and assume, right? The GI, right? Your, your microbiome, right? The uh, direct evidence of its state of being is your poop, right? Or your fecal matter, right? Uh, guys, I'm going to say poop. I'm sorry. If, if poop offends you, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to say poop. I'll <laughs> medically clear it. I'll pull my medical card and allow it. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually too lemon. It's fecal matter. Or your stool. Do do and do do butter also. <laughs> do do butter. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I mean, okay. So, so at some, so how long is this new? Is this something so, that's been going on? So the origins of the microbiome predate, you know, our understanding of the scientific universe bacteria, you know, evolutionary biology aside, bacteria predate us. Actually, our mitochondria, I know we've talked about that on a prior podcast, the powerhouse of the cell. The DNA that exists within the mitochondria is is largely bacterial in origin. You can actually see a relationship between that and rhizobacteria. So we've had a relationship with bacteria dating back to the dawn of man or whenever our mitochondria came into play, which has to be when we came into existence. And bacteria existed before we did. And we know that by looking at the you know, e- evolutionary changes that we see within the DNA of both, both structures, both organisms. So we've had this symbiotic relationship with them forever. Forever, so day one, day one, like boom, we're here. Mm-hmm. However, we got here. Oh, bacteria. Oh, hey, bacteria. Bacteria was waiting for us. Like, oh, yeah. welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get you through the, the next millennia and more. Exactly. And, and when humans are born, right, we go from a very sterile environment in the you know, amniotic fluid within the uterus of your mother. And then when we're born into this world, we acquire bacteria through the birthing process. And actually, interestingly enough, Jackie P, they've found that if, you know, so obviously if you're born via traditional vaginal delivery, you're going to have some of the flora that your mom had and more of a species called lactobacillus, which I'm sure we'll get into as a good guy. Um, But if you're born via C-section, you tend to have some of the microbiome of the surgeon that delivers that baby. Crazy, right? 
What? I know. <laughs> oh, that I don't even know. So the basically the the especially nowadays, right? The way like with hospital systems, right? No one really has like a family doctor, right? You can have a birthing plan and up until the day before you deliver, like, oh, this guy's your your doctor's in vacation or on call somewhere else. And so essentially he or she is basically implanting or imprinting. I don't know what the proper word. Yeah, like imprinting, I think is a good imprinting yeah, like is it. like you your your gut function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean everything down to where you're born, uh, the relationship be with the equator. Um, the environment that you grow up, do you grow up in a city? Do you grow up in the country when you're running around as a kid? Do you, do you get to play in the dirt? Do you get to, you know, maybe sample some doo-doo butter here and there? Um, <laughs> I mean, kids, kids get curious, right? Or do you have, you know, parents that are hygiene sensitive, right? Did, did, were you born into a pandemic where everybody's washing their hands all the time, wearing masks, all these things impact our microbiome. That. I mean, that is astounding. I think I feel, you know, it's it's interesting when you say that. It's like there's so many things that we do as parents and also as medical professionals, right, to control, like, the state that a, a baby is born. And I'd be like, okay, you know, we make the everything sterile and clean. And then little do we know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're a kid who is, you know, I mean, how far does it go in the microbiome? Is it like, you know, is it like affect like maybe what like an allergy is, right? Like, or if, like if you eat, you know, if I eat bananas, I'm not allergic, but my stomach doesn't really like bananas. Like, right. is it like, oh, that was like the guy who, you know, because I was, I was a C-section. Yeah. Does so it like, did he have the same issue too? Like for, for, for snack, he didn't like bananas. Yeah. I mean, some people will argue the hygiene hypothesis that like, if you're born in a very sterile sort of environment, like a, a C-section versus a vaginal de- delivery, you're more prone to allergic conditions because you didn't get enough exposure to those pathogens during the birthing process. You don't necessarily have the same microbiome as me, you know, that was b- born by traditional means. So, but that you can argue that it's multifactorial too, right? And, but the microbiome plays a huge role in autoimmune diseases. Um, but we're going to focus on weight today because, I mean, autoimmune disease in the microbiome, that's like a whole different ball. It's a different saga. That's a whole different saga. Yeah. yeah. And I thought what we could do first, Jackie, is just kind of break down like, you know, we talked about the different types of fat on cold thermogenesis podcast. And you all should listen <laughs> back to that podcast if you haven't done so already with brown fat versus white fat. But assuming we're talking about white fat, the fat that everybody's trying to get rid of to, you know make themselves look better in a bathing suit. Um, what causes your fat to be somewhat resistant, right? I feel like we're all kind of taught calorie in calorie out. I mean, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. about the calorie in calorie out thing? I, I tell you that was that for me, for me, that was, that was the law. It was like, Oh, you know, let me, let me skip a lunch, right. Cut some cuts, cut something out of lunch, cut something out of breakfast work out if i work out and eat less one day that's like i used to think that was oh that was like a double-edged day like i doubled down on weight loss yeah um and of, of of course that that wasn't the truth and we all know that now um but yeah no it's 
is much more complex than that, I'd say. Um, yeah. And oftentimes, and, it's what type of calories, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you, you know this for sure. Like, uh, you have the same one weight of food that's, say, white bread, and you have the same weight of food that's vegetables. You're going to get less calories out of the weight of vegetables, and you're going to get more nutrients. And it's also hard to, like, match the amount of calories you can get from something that's more nutrient dense as opposed to something that's more calorie dense food, right? You eat that like fast food hamburger is going to be loaded with calories, but then you eat the same amount of calories and vegetables. I mean, that you're going to be sitting there eating for a day. So, you know, calories play some role, but it's, the equation is not pluses and minuses. It's logarithmic calculations because nutrients also come into play. And then I, I think that that's where people kind of stop most of the time. And, you know, listeners out there, feel free to, you know, DM us if you think any differently. But after that, the people that have a hard time losing weight, that's where it gets more complicated. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about the input of alcohol for sure. Yeah. I I have found personally that when I drink alcohol, that that definitely leads to some sort of, you know, gain in weight or gain in fat. Do you, do you find the same thing or? I do. I feel, um, I mean, besides the fact that like, I don't think I could even tolerate much alcohol anyhow, but I definitely do feel like if I go out and I go to a brewery and I have a couple nice, heavy IPAs, I, I don't, I don't feel as, as slim or as le- not bloated for a couple of days. Like I definitely feel like I wear it for a couple of days, you know, it's just not like, Oh, I wake up the next day. I'm fine. I'm fine. I yeah. definitely feel bloated up. Yeah. And I think it's like multifold because not only does alcohol kind of confuse your body in the way it utilizes the, you know, the nuts or the nachos that you have with that beer, but it also pokes holes in your gut lining and it, and then it wipes out some degree of your bacteria, right? Like how do we clean surfaces with rubbing alcohol? You're not drinking rubbing alcohol, I hope, but alcohol will kill bacteria. And then it's also kind of a laxative. So it'll move that bacteria through your system more, which will not only shift the bacteria to where it doesn't belong, shift it to the bad stuff, but also allow that bacteria to seep through those little holes into your bloodstream and make you feel like garbage, which causes inflammation. And inflammation is a huge way that it's your body will be resistant to your, the other good stuff that you're doing with weight loss, inflammation. You might as well not do any fancy diet unless you heal your inflammation. So people with chronic inflammatory conditions, like inflammatory bowel disease, they're constantly fighting that. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I never even thought about it until you put it in that perspective, but yeah, if, I mean, alcohol is alcohol. It kills germs and bacteria and it's not, saying, Hey, we're just going to get in your stomach and kill just the bad bacteria. It's going to kill all, all the bacteria. And as I just learned a solid seven minutes ago, bacteria has been here trying to help us out from the start. Well, the good bacteria, and you know, we're essentially killing our, our defense mechanisms and our healing mechanisms, Uh which is, it makes, it makes me never want to drink again. <laughs> Actually, what do you think about it? Actually, and, the hangovers never make me want to drink again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
and yes. and to reference South Park again, those those cheesy poofs that you're eating do do the same sort of thing. You know, they induce that inflammatory response or what we call leaky gut dysbiosis. Um, the other thing is hormones, right? So a lot of women that I see who are trying to lose weight who are postmenopausal, they have a really hard time with losing weight. And it's because, you know, a lot of your uh, sex hormones go down and some of them are really vital to keeping you lean and keeping lean muscle mass on, keeping your bone structure and helping you to uh, signal insulin and also helping you to um, regulate your blood sugar, right? Related to insulin signaling. So, you know, hormone regulation is a big thing. And believe it or not, the gut microbiome also has some input into to what your hormones do as well. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, the, the, the microbiome, right? It's your gut, right? That's your core, right? If you work out, right, your core's, everyone says don't skip leg day. Core's just as important, mm-hmm. right? And that's the center, right? So we know we got these bacteria that we want to promote to help us to, you know, help us be our maximal selves, right? So what what would you say are, like, what are the habits or things we should be doing to get us in the right direction from a microbiome perspective for yeah. weight loss? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that um, we use kind of like a multi-R approach where you get get rid of the bad stuff and then you replenish it with the good stuff and then you refresh it with usually... Pro, probiotics, like we were talking about with Q, you know, that kombucha tea that he was trying, that's loaded with probiotics. It can be natural or the more um, supplemental forms of probiotics. So to wipe the slate clean, we recommend what's called an elimination diet. At least that's what I personally prescribe. Some people try other strategies, but it's a diet where you eliminate a lot of the things that will piss your microbiome off. So lactose, a big one in, in a lot of people gluten, a big one in a lot of people, legumes are a big one in a lot of people, uh, soy and corn. And then you eliminate processed foods. You eliminate most beverages that are not coffee, tea, kombucha, um, and, and limit your sugar intake. I think those are kind of like the foundational aspects and what, and you may say, well, what the hell am I supposed to eat? Well, that leaves all the foods that exist naturally in this world that, that aren't grains, right? So you can have non-glutinous grains. So things like oats, like amaranth, like quinoa, like teff, which are, I don't know. Have you ever tried teff? Um, no, actually. What? It, it is, South, is like African origins and it's just, it's like nutty and it's got like a cinnamon flavor to it. Naturally, it's just so delicious. It's a good supplement for like oatmeal or porridge. Teff, spell that. T-E-F-F. T-E-F-F. Yeah. Quinoa is another good one, right? That's another good grain. It's actually, all these things are actually nuts and seeds. They're actually seeds, not not technically grains. Um, It leaves all the vegetables and all the fruits and then meat, (laughs) which who doesn't like a big juicy steak that that has been grass-fed, that has not been fed grains, right? So there are plenty of things and I've eaten this way for for decades now, um, that, that you can eat in the elimination sort of plan and feed the microbiome. I think the vegetables are probably one of the most important things or fiber. So Mm. the microbiome takes that fiber 
and converts it into something called a short chain fatty acid. The short chains fatty acids are your, your colon's natural fuel. So in people that get colon surgery where their colon is left excluded from the rest of their GI tract, they don't get short chain fatty acids and their colons actually atrophy and will bleed as a result. And so sometimes we give them short chain fatty acids in supplemental form in that case. And so your gut microbiome is the thing that makes short chain fatty acids from fiber in your diet. So you don't have a microbiome, you don't have a connected colon, you don't have fiber in your diet, or uh, you know you won't make short chain fatty acids, and you will feel very unhappy. Doesn't doesn't sound comfortable. No, if you ask me. Yeah. Okay, so so you know. I, I think the, the the people. I mean, I've been. I I, I still want to get back to the doo doo butter. I, I need to come back to it because I just want to know. <laughs> so, on. so I don't want to get gross, but like, how how does this actually work? And also, what like where is this like where is the application? Right? Because I know South Park. Right. They, you know, this, this, it was basically like a cosmetic thing. It was, right. So I'm assuming this is more medical, more practical. So like walk me through someone who woke up one day and didn't think that they'd be getting a fecal implant. And then what happens where they're like, oh yes, I'm going in tomorrow to, to, to get borrow some, some doo-doo butter. Like, yeah. like walk me through that. So ju just like the microbiome is centuries and centuries old, so are the origins of fecal transplant. We're actually talking BC in China. And in BC, China, there are actually scrolls that are, have been read where people, you know, the doctors would treat GI illnesses with what they called yellow soup. Yellow soup was doo-doo butter in soup format. And it turns out if you read the scrolls, I, I, I didn't read the study data from, you know, BC. BC. Um, yeah. But, they, I don't think they had a control group back then. No, did they? No. Was there scientific method back then? No, no, okay. no. There was no institutional <laughs> review board at the time or statistician, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but on the scrolls, they actually, they, they state that it did work, but in more modern science, fecal transplant has kind of made a resurgence over the last, I'd say two decades now. And the, the biggest condition that we've used it for is uh, a condition that, develops when we give antibiotics, right? Called C. diff or Clostridium difficile. So what happens is say you get a urinary tract infection, you go into the hospital, somebody gives you an antibiotic. The antibiotic napalms the nice little houses that your microbiome have set up in the colon and small bowel neighborhood. All those people are like, you know, gone, all those microbiome, those microbes are gone, but who's left? the asshole in the neighborhood, C. diff. He's been hiding in the basement. <laughs> He's like, ha ha, I'm going to wait this thing out. <laughs> now look at him. There's all these like empty lots. I'm going to set up a monopoly and build like all these buildings. And this is going to be C. diff town. And they just take over the whole environment of the intestinal tract. And your body does not like to have C. diff in it. I mean, profound diarrhea colitis can be life-threatening. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so how do we treat that? There are antibiotics that can fight it for sure. There uh, are immunotherapies, but also fecal transplant. You, you basically put in a bunch of good guys into the bad guy's neighborhood and they're like, 
I don't want to be around all these care bear, like everybody loves each other sort of nonsense. I'm getting out of here. And it kind of forces them out and the the good guys move back into their homes. So it works. I mean, the, the data are, there has been some data recently that where people have developed some, some infections as the result of, um, you know, fecal transplant. So I don't want to say it's like hundred percent safe, especially in people that are immunocompromised, but for regular people that just have C. diff, it's about 98% effective. If you look at meta like groups of studies, that's pretty great. I am absolutely floored right now that this is something that's not only been happening in BC, China, but also the fact that it happened now. And also the fact that I haven't heard of it also is alarming to me because I feel like this is something that would definitely pop up on my radar. But I mean, science is something Um, (laughs) that is that is incredible. So, okay, so. All right, I'm I'm gonna leave it alone the the doo doo butter part, the doo doo butter. So yeah, watch that, watch for yellow soup on the Chinese menu. You may want to stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, I mean yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean I don't know. Yeah, there's there's so many things to unpack there. I feel like it's a whole another other episode of like oh, like let's go back in time and yeah. research some scrolls and talk about it. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to maximalbeing.com rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com slash Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. So back to the microbiome. Okay, so... I'm just going to put this out there and this is just more for anecdotally, if you will. So would you say, Doc Mock, in a, in a world, let's say they perfect this, where someone can say, hey, because, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bob, right, who was on like episode two, right, or something like weightlifting, right? He sent us an article about like they found, you know, the, uh, the bacteria in your gut which was like the quote unquote skinny bacteria, right? Yep. Um, so if someone is like, hey, you know, I have a thyroid problem or like a hormonal problem where, you know, my body is like, you know, it's a little bit more difficult for me to, to lose weight. They can get essentially a fecal transplant of this quote unquote skinny bacteria. And then it can help them in their weight loss journey. Yeah, and that bacteria you're talking about is Dysmosobacter wellbionis. And and this was a study that just came out where they basically analyzed samples from humans. They looked at humans that were obese versus not. They found this to be kind of a new thing that they discovered. And then they tried in mouse models to implant this bacteria, and they found that actually their insulin sensitivity improved. They lost weight without any changes in their food regimen. 
So obviously we need to see what the human data shows, but it's really appealing. And shout out to Bob for, you know. Shout out, Bob. Yeah, Bob's, definitely. Good job, Bob. Good job. You're the Bob. man. <laughs> um, um, this is, yeah. Yeah. This is this is not the, the first study like this. Um, in general trends. So we talked about clostridium. Clostridial species are of higher number in people that are obese versus people that are not. As are other pathogenic bacteria. I'm sure everybody out there has heard of E. coli. If you've heard of any of the food outbreaks, um, Enterobacter is another category of, of bacteria that are found in obese people versus not. They've also found, and this is kind of an interesting and controversial area, um, that bacteroidetes, which are largely believed to be like a good group, they, they're not as good at harvesting carbohydrate and turning them into stuff. So they don't utilize energy for you as well versus firmicutes do a really good job of taking simple carbs and generating energy. And so they found that in obese people, these carbohydrate eaters, the firmicutes are higher. Mm. And, and they've also done studies where they've given people that are obese an input of bacteroidetes or bifidobacterium lactobacillus, which are the kind of the two good guys that you'll find in most probiotic supplements. And when you do that, apart from any other dietary intervention, you can actually get people to lose weight. That's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we looked up a few trends in, in, you know, the impact of different diets on your microbiome, which I feel like is like its own discussion, but you know, say like a fat heavy diet, like ketogenic, you're, you're increasing the input of a bacteria that is kind of a new superhero also called acromantia mucophilia, which is really good at turning on your own fat burning engines. And it actually changes your DNA's ability to break down fat. Pretty amazing. Um, and that's through eating a ketogenic diet. And then I saw some research that called paleo, a low carb diet, which just shows me the, the disconnect between certain people's understanding of diets. I wouldn't call paleo low carb, but a low carbohydrate diet will starve out some of the bad guys and increase your bacteroid eats, right? Which is just makes sense based on what we talked about, right? The, the firmicutes love carbs. If you don't give them carbs, they're going to go away. Gonna die. That yeah. makes, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. it, it's, I mean, so our microbiome, I guess, I mean, it's, it's just constantly, constantly changing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's someone who just eats the exact same thing every day. I mean, and even then, like, is it likely to like be influenced by other factors like stress or, you know, how you sleep? Yep. Yeah. The, our hormonal inputs, our stress levels change the microbiome and the microbiome changes our stress levels subsequently, right? All of the, we've talked about the link of the nervous system in there, but the microbiome also makes neurohormones. It makes uh, ghrelin or it contributes to the making of ghrelin, which helps us to feel hungry. And so, you know, you getting those like feeling hangry, if you haven't eaten that day, it may be somewhat an input of the microbiome telling you you're hangry versus you actually being hangry. So you have to be good to your microbiome. Huh. How, what are, what are, what are some other ways to be good to your microbiome? Right. I know, you know, I, and you've mentioned it before, right. Just eating different things, right. Like, mm -hmm. You know, this this may not be true, so I didn't research this, but a buddy of mine said, 
cats are smarter than dogs because cats know to eat like different stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because like in nature, right, you want to have like di- di- diverse foods in your body, yes. right? And I'm assuming, right, like that that is also something that's that's good for us, right? Like, I mean, diversity. Is when is diversity bad in all senses of the word? Right, diversity <laughs> is always good in society okay. and absolutely in your microbiome. And and they found Jackie P that the more diversity you have in the makeup of your gut microbiome, the more genus and species and families that you have of bacteria, the less chance you have of being obese. And we also pulled that other interesting article about plasticity, which you're talking about, you know, shifting, having a gut bacteria that is, is more mobile. And they found that people that are obese have less of a plastic um, uh, microbiome when you change different food stuff. So the microbiome's not as good at adapting to new food stressors versus somebody that's non-obese can adapt a little bit more easily which I, I think is fascinating too. I, and that was out of nature, um, which just had come out. Diversity is cool. I'm just going to put that out there. Diversity is in always food cool. and everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, so it's, in, it's interesting, you know, like, uh, you know, back to, you know, what we're talking about, like what weight loss and your microbiome, right. It, it's, it's almost, it's, you know, you have to pay attention to what it's more, what's, going into the system not how much right i mean for yeah to a reasonable degree yep right um can we talk about kombucha just because i've been drinking kombucha with quinn he's obsessed with it yeah we can absolutely talk about kombucha and for all of you out there that have yet to take our kombucha making course there you go you can learn how to do it at maximalbeing.com yeah um i'm a i've been drinking kombucha now for many years i make it uh, it's expensive, right? Um, and a lot of the store bought, I find to be a little too sugary. I don't know if you you find the same thing. Yes, I yeah. I actually have very recently uh, put on my to do list by the end of this week. Sign up to the kombucha class because, um, yes, my, now that's Quinn, my son, has been started drinking this kombucha as well, which means it's yeah. good for all ages. By the way, yep. um. I, I noticed, I looked, I was like, you know what? Like there is a little bit too much sugar for me at the time, but like, I don't really have a lot of other sugary things. Yeah. Um, but for Q, right. He's like, you know, he's if, a if big monster, he needs exactly exponential, right. So I was like, you know, I need to start making, it. um, but also I feel, I honestly feel like there's some times where like, you know, I don't know. I know my microbiome is not happy. Whatever yeah. I did, I might have eaten sushi or something, or maybe because I'm cheap, I hold food way longer than it should be. <laughs> you can be mad at me. So I eat that like, you know what, that, you know, I should have tossed those leftovers away and not like get another crack at them. And, you know, my microbiome's like, ah, you know, yeah, you know, like, oh, you know, they say Jackie, Jackie P right now, we're not happy down here. You know, I go to the store, buy myself a, a big thing kombucha, but. I feel like, you know, it shouldn't be as proactive. I mean, it shouldn't be as reactive. It should be more proactive, right? Yeah, it it will tell you when it's unhappy at you for sure. And we call that the Herxheimer reaction, different Mm. than the Jarek's Herxheimer reaction, which is present in syphilis therapy. Um, But the Herxheimer reaction (laughs) is basically when you force those bad bacteria out of their homes 
and put the good guys in, they don't like it. So they release all this inflammatory stuff and you feel it. So people can have worsening diarrhea. They can have pain. They can have nausea, vomiting. You can actually feel like you have the flu. And so I tell people when they're starting to drink kombucha or take a probiotic supplement, natural like tempeh or, um, you know, sauerkraut, pickled things, all of these have natural cultures um, that to start small, because you may feel a little upset if you just kind of drink a whole bottle of kombucha from the get-go. So start with about four ounces in the morning at a time. Um, it's easy to make, you know, you just need like one cell of a bacteria yeast complex from a store-bought unpasteurized, and you can grow what we call a SCOBY, which is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast of your own from that. And we teach you how to do that in the course actually, um, versus buying it from the store. Yes. And I think yeah. long-term it's, it's good, right? And make it yourself, you know, you enjoy food, you eat, make yourself, you enjoy kombucha, you made yourself and you can mess, you know, add some things and make it, make it, make it good and make it your own. So, you know, speaking of probiotics, right. I, I, I you know, the, can someone just drink a probiotic and lose weight? So if you're doing bad stuff around the probiotic, like so many people that I talk to do, you're not going to win that battle, right? It's like you have a, a hose and you're trying to spray an entire city block and make the city block wet with that hose. It's going to take a long time. And then if you have somebody that's holding the hose and trying to get it away from you the whole time, you're not going to win. So that's what a probiotic is. It's just a little dose of bacteria that'll set up shop. But if you're not giving it prebiotics, right? Fiber, all the good stuff, the fish food to eat up, mm. to make the good stuff for you, it's not going to live. It's just going to die. And I also would say your stomach is very good at killing bacteria and if your stomach is healthy, if you're not an acid blocker, you may actually digest some of those, you know, cultures that you're ingesting with a probiotic supplement. So that's why we first get rid of the bad behavior. We repopulate with good behaviors, and then we consider adding on supplements. And I always go to the natural sources first. Kefir, kombucha, pickled stuff has the best scientific evidence for improving GI upset and obesity. Hmm, okay. And I, I, I do remember there, you know, of course, all kombucha, right. Or probiotics, you know, they, they aren't all created the same, right. So, you know, is there, is, is there something that we should look, look for particularly, right? Like, is there like a, I know they tell you there's oh millions or billions of cultures of, you know, uh, this type of bacteria that, you know, I usually cannot pronounce, right? Yeah. Like what, what, what should we be looking for? Yeah. You want a, a supplement that has either, um, around 10 to a hundred billion colony forming units or CFUs of each component. And what you're looking for is bifidobacterium, lactobacillus, and a yeast, which is a brewer's yeast actually called saccharomyces. Up until recently, you couldn't actually get Saccharomyces in the United States. It was only available in the, in the UK, but now you can get all of those things. And if you're getting something that all of those components combined, we're talking around 10 billion to 
3.6 trillion colony forming units per day. And you can break that up in a series of different doses. Again, you got to look at your supplements. So if you go and buy brand X from that pharmacy, I guarantee that it's not going to contain one of those three things. And it's probably going to be doses that are too low because they want you to buy more pills. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense too. But again, you got to build the rest of the system. You got to get rid of the bad stuff. You got to give a good environment for those bacteria to grow in. And then you have to introduce the environment, the bacteria. You, this is crude, but it's like, you can't put a tuxedo on a piece of poop, right? It's a piece of poop. You got to get it out of right. there, right? It doesn't matter, right? So it is, if you're eating junk, right? You're not eating like the best stuff. There's not, there's not an amount of, I don't even know how to say what you said, bifo, bifo, bifido, yeah, bifo bifidum, right? Bifidobacterium. So, yeah, bifidobacterium. That's, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Yeah, yeah, bibbidi bobbidi boo. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're taking that either, right? So you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta get the bad out. You know, you you, you still have to do the work. I think, right? Exactly. Um, there's, there's, there's no matter what, there's, there's, there's just work. You're still, there's, there's work. If it wasn't work, everyone would have six pack, six pack. Exactly. Ads, right. Everyone would look like Aaron Graham or everyone would have Doc Mox calf muscles, right? There's, there's work there. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you, you know, you wouldn't need a gastroenterologist ever, but based on the way clinic was today, people still need us. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, yeah. We'll be in, you'll be in business for ever. Basically. Yeah. is not going anywhere as yeah. long as there is the food industry. Thank you. A, food industry. I have a question, Doc Mock, and I don't know, this is unrelated. This is related, but unrelated. Um, do you see in the f- near future, you know how we have 23andMe or Ancestry.com where, you know, you, you send your saliva. Do you think people will be sending stool samples to get like, hey, uh, you know, because I've seen we, we do the same thing with like blood for like allergies, right? Well, they say, hey, you know, I remember we see uh, th- that article you sent me this morning, you know, like these these athletes, these triathlon athletes have like different types of bacteria. So they're like, hey, let me send you a stool sample. I want to know if I've got what it takes mm-hmm. to be competitive. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is that is that something we will see in the near future? If you had a crystal ball, what's your take? Yeah, it's happening. I can tell you, I had a meeting on Tuesday with a company we're doing a research project with and they're a conventional lab company where you can mail in a stool sample and they will tell you what your microbiome is composed of. Um, and, and we, you know, are happy to set people up with those services if, if they want, they're not the only game in town. There are multiple different companies that do things like that. And I have tried it myself just out of curiosity and it, the results are really interesting. I, I think, um, will people poop dope? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's going to happen. It's going yeah, to happen. Or happen- I mean, it or it's happening. Right? It's it's natural, right? If it's, yeah. if it's like, Hey, like, let's say, you know, I, let's say I was sick and I got a blood transfusion, right. Two, two months before competition. That's not doping. That's not yeah. PEDs. So right. what's, how's it different from, from poop a, doping. A poop doping, right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying this, this, yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of, this is going to, there's going to be a, a divisive 
situation soon, right? Like, oh, yeah. where, where does it end, right? The pro poops and the anti poops. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's true, right? Yeah. That is I mean, the, the, the athletes that I work with, it's, it's on their radar, right? It's starting to become a thing that people talk to them about and trainers talk to them about. And, you know, uh, we just did a webinar not too long ago where, you know, we were talking about, you know, the role of your gut and your mucosal barrier in athletic performance. And, you, you know, athletic performance does some damage to that. And then we have these, you know, young athletes that are drinking sports drinks and, and, you know, like taking these gel packs of sugar and doing all kinds of damage to their microbiome, which is affecting all, all kinds of things. And they could optimize their performance or maximize their performance. Hello. Yep. Uh, <laughs> by, by just making their microbiome happier, you know, and not having those sugary things. That is, I, I, I just can't believe there's, there's just a world of like poop doping that like, I didn't even know. Yeah. And Jackie P is talking about these articles we pulled where they actually gave fecal transplant of elite cyclists. And that's from 2017 and elite endurance athletes in 2019 to people that were sedentary and it improved their athletic performance in their body comp. You know, we say this a lot that, Hey, there's no magic pill. There's no cure. <laughs> there's no nothing, but we've talked about one, a, uh, a bacteria, which is quote unquote, the skinny bacteria. And then we have athletes as far back as 2017, poop mm -hmm. doping <laughs> yeah. and guys who basically got off the couch and increased their athleticism from poop doping. Yeah. Has, has science gone too far? Is this, is this, <laughs> is this, is this where, is this where we're like, wow, the hubris of, of these guys, I like, didn't look back a hundred years from now. I'm like, wow, this is where, this is where it started to take a turn. Like This is, <laughs> this is where society plummeted. I, I yeah. would say, I would say Jackie P it may be multifactorial. If this is the turning point in our society where we take a plummet. <laughs> That's true. Not just uh, the poop, but I'm biased too. So that is, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to hear more about it. I want, I, I want, uh, I forget what comedian who said they want a league NFL league with just natural athletes in another league where everyone is as doped up on PEDs and poop and whatever it is, <laughs> and just have like a bunch of monsters destroying each other. Like, yes, like I'm all for it. Poop yeah. doping. I want to see that. I want to hear it talked about at the Olympics in 2024 i want to hear lebron james you know lebron james is never going to retire i just i want to read an article oh lebron james spends 500 grand a year you know getting some some fecal in there you know getting <laughs> some some, 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 some and they're gonna make they're gonna make it sound cool right yeah. it's not gonna sound like yellow soup which yeah. makes like you know gives you like a hot a hot mouth <laughs> it's gonna be something cool and hip like oh lebron james does it i mean i guess oh that's right, right. That's cool, right? yeah yeah exactly so yeah it's been a pleasure, Jackie P. I, 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 did, I cannot believe. Also, by the way, before we sign off, I have to say, I can't believe you didn't tell me about this <laughs> until now. That is also something. After a long, long friendship. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess. But well, I got to keep you coming back for more. I can't, this is I can't true. tell the same boring stories. This is, this is true. This is, yeah. I mean, I, I. <laughs> I'm gonna walk out the door and Ashley's was like, oh, what you what did you what was the podcast today? And I'm like, oh, 
oh, sit down because you're never going to know. Oh, that's okay. But sit All down right. on what? That's the question. Sit, oh, yeah. Sit, <laughs> sit down and then I'll borrow some. Ash's microbiome, my, you know, we'll mix up, right? That's that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right. All right, Maximal Beings. It has been a pleasure. Uh, I love chatting with Jackie P as always. We've been talking about poop doping. Get lean with stuff that's hopefully not green. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to learn more about, you know, your, the role of your microbiome, if you want to pursue microbiome testing, if you want a gut overhaul, or if you want to read about how to do kombucha, we have a course. So head on over to maximalbean.com. There's a ton of free stuff there for you. Um, DM us. And just as an aside, you know, make sure that you consult with your healthcare provider prior to enacting any of the things that we discuss here in the podcast today. I please. am a licensed board certified healthcare provider and Jackie P is a genius, but please just consult with them prior to enacting anything. And as always, I am Doc Mock. I'm here with Jackie P. Yes. We are here to maximize your poop. Bye. <laughs> What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.